Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Mental Health Uncorked. I'm Ashley T, and I'm here with my awesome friend, Dr. G. Hey, girl. Hey, everybody. Hey, Ash. Hey, Hi, hey. friend. Hey. Um, to get us started today, you know we always have a quick disclaimer for you. While we are both mental health clinicians and we are licensed mental health clinicians, this podcast is not meant to replace going to therapy or seeking mental health treatment. We are both huge advocates for making sure, especially now more than ever, that you're taking care of your mental health with a professional. Also, this podcast is going to contain some heavy themes and content and language that may not be suitable for the kiddos. So please excuse them from the room now. <laughs> You're so funny. So Gina, yep. it's been a minute. How are you? I'm doing good. I had a really good week. Pandemic is weird, man. Ups and downs. I feel like we're going to look back on pandemic and be like, you know, you see the pictures of the Spanish flu mm-hmm. season, we'll call it, because I call it COVID season, but you see the pictures of the of the Spanish flu season and it's so sad and daunting. And I, I feel like when we look back on pictures of COVID season, we're going to see a whole mess of crazy that's very different than what they saw during the Spanish flu, but there are a lot of ups and downs. We have a lot of things that they didn't have then. We, we have technology. Mm-hmm. We have capabilities of doing podcasts while we're in quarantine. Absolutely. I've, I've been talking to a lot of uh, teachers and school social workers. I am so humbled by them all the time. I'm, um, we kind of talked about how we worked in a school before together. And I have mm-hmm. the honor to do supervision for licensure with a lot of little school, so- not little, that wasn't right, young school social workers um, that are working on their full licensure. And I am just amazed by the conversations that I have with them and how resilient they are. And Ashley, you work in the school system and you know yeah. how crazy of a time it's been, but it's just the ups and downs. And they've been very honest about those ups and downs and processing what that looks like. I'm sure for everybody at home, teaching from home mm-hmm. for the first time, just just a crazy time. I couldn't imagine being a new social worker or counselor during the pandemic because I was a baby when I started. I was 26, ready to save the world. So I think your term little would apply to me because I was baby. And I, you know, we, we've been around social workers and counselors who are starting off and it doesn't really matter what your age or you're always there, your babies, because they're green and they're excited to change lives and they're full of hope and you feed off of that. You like, everyone needs an intern, man. Everyone needs an intern because it reminds you of your purpose and why you went there. Right? Oh yeah. I love working with the students. I mean, we've talked a little bit. I teach at a couple universities. It's it's so amazing and refreshing to see their perspective on the world and life and just get that different view. So shout out to everybody up and coming in the behavioral health field. And it's a hard time right now. So give yourself some credit for that. Well, and don't you find that your students are, are a little, I don't know, infatuated with mental health in general when Mm, they're in school because it's fascinating. And there's, I don't know if anyone here has seen like a, a DSM or diagnostic and statistical manual, but it's like, I don't, it's like a, the Webster's dictionary for 
mental health, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's massive. It's massive with any disorder you could have. Absolutely. I have one past intern who I still talk to very regularly. She's probably listening to this podcast and knows exactly who I'm talking about, but she is constantly bringing new ideas and thoughts and DSM questions. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just very refreshing. I love it. I love it so much. It's cool. I like to see their, their spunk and their positivity and their hope for change in the world. And I hope that this pandemic changes the world. And it's funny that we started talking about this today because I don't know that that was our plan, but the title of our, of our episode is mental health 101. And so I find that that was a little bit organic. Gee, I'm getting kind of proud of us with this. I know. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a heavy episode. Yeah. Ashley and I decided that we should have an episode about this because quite frankly, we're really effing sick of the stigma of mental health. Yes. I almost just said the full F word, but my mother is listening, but I am really sick of it, to be honest, especially in pandemic and I, we just decided that we needed to have a real, real conversation about it. About mental health, the stigma, the why people don't talk about it, why people exploit it at the same time. And Gina, for those of you who don't know, our Dr. G um, is got a brain the size of Texas, even though she's not from Texas, but it's massive. And she, I know she's got a couple of statistics about the world in there. So G, why don't you lay those on everyone? Because so, you've done some research. Yes always doing research, always learning. You, I have to. But I think it is really important, not that we're, me and Ashley are in the business of hitting you with a bunch of statistics, but I did find a couple things in the past couple weeks that have really stuck out to me to show the prevalence of mental health and what's going on in the world right now. Um, I was just reading something actually from the Census Bureau of all, you know, all of our population, right? And Mm -hmm. one third of Americans are experiencing severe anxiety and or depression right now. Severe, not moderate, not mild. We're talking severe. So it's getting to that point where it's debilitating their daily activities, daily interactions. And on a side note, depression has been for years the leading cause of why disability is awarded worldwide. This isn't just in the United States. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Number one. And so I think that really speaks to the prevalence, yet we're still not having conversations about it because um, I think in an early episode, we kind of talked about that idea of nimbyism and it's it means and stands for quote unquote not in my backyard which means it's not really happening we're just going to ignore it and it's still something that is so stigmatized that it's like oh yeah no I'm not I'm not depressed or I'm not experiencing anxiety or we're not going to talk about that but in reality even um the emergency room for example right people visits to the emergency room, the hospital, it has changed over the past months because of COVID. 
but mm-hmm. right now still one in eight visits to the emergency room are for mental health or substance abuse issues and i can attest to that as a past inpatient medical social worker who did some work in the emergency room and on an inpatient psychiatric unit very correct with that that's crazy uh-huh. uh-huh because it and i say that that's crazy and i don't use that in the term of mental illness right because that can be a very sensitive word and i use that word often as a descriptive word i need to be more sensitive about that but your statistics are fascinating to me because they're not spoken about that widely in the media social and or television Mm -hmm. (laughs) um as much as they should be with the numbers that you're presenting at the moment and i feel which we've talked about often i'm a little bit of a broken record i haven't talked about it on here yet but i feel that mental illness is brought up widely across the country when there's a time of massive crisis so when there is a mass shooting for example mental illness is brought up because the action indicates mental illness somebody would have to be mentally ill in order at least that's how it's perceived they would have to be mentally ill in order to murder so many people at one time in the form of a mass shooting but then the media and society i don't want to just blame the media i feel like they're taking a beating right now but um the media and society then take that conversation and it somehow gets turned to um, gun violence and then gun regulations and gun laws, and then it becomes political quickly and mental illness is no longer talked about. It's put on the back burner because now they're taking our guns and we need to talk about that. And that may make me sound liberal to some of you and whether I am or not is not really the issue that's just the fact of what happens. It goes from horrific incident, mental illness, all of a sudden guns are the problem, then the debate of the gun isn't the problem, the person's the problem, and then which politician's going into office. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting that mental illness or mental diagnoses or the lack thereof support for it is not a tangible thing, right? Mm -hmm. it's not something that is we can see we see the results and the behavior of it but guns and the violence or the situation or other events is something that we can tangibly show on the media right and get a reaction from and i find that very interesting that that further suppresses our talk about the function behind the behavior and where things started Hmm. Yeah. So I struggle with this a lot. Ashley knows this because I just want to spread so much mental health awareness in so many different ways. I actually had a beautiful opportunity the past couple of weeks. Uh, one of our local magazines uh, did an article, or excuse me, an issue on frontliner frontline workers and they presented doctors and EMS workers and firefighters and oh my gosh, 
The city of Nashville is on fire with how motivated people are to help each other, especially after the tornadoes this year. And Nashville's just had, yeah, Nashville's just had a year. Um, but I was so honored to be the one mental health clinician in the issue, which was amazing for me because I was like, thank you so much for putting mental health in there to bring right. awareness that it's okay that just like you go see that doctor or you call that police officer or you call 911 for the EMS, it's okay to also take care of yourself in a different way. And we're, we're talking about that in, in a very well-known Nashville magazine. I love it so much. Not only was your article beautiful, the photos were beautiful, the words were beautiful, but it is nice that it's being highlighted as a first response mm -hmm. to crisis, mm -hmm. right? Um, mental health is pushed back for several reasons. I, I mean, everyone has an opinion on it, right? But when we break it down, mental health is, is pushed onto the back burner um, as a way of coping. It can be... Um, a family norm, right? It can be cultural. Why else? Give me some more words. I mean, all the, you're spot on. Things that are happening environmentally that are out of your control. I mean, who, how many people are the first ones in their family that are going to therapy right now for the first time in 2020? Oh man. And you know, I feel bad for those people because they're unpacking generations of baggage in, mm -hmm. <laughs> in and I can laugh at that because I think therapy is a beautiful thing that people should always, always have and always have a, as a go-to, like a, like a doctor or a hospital. So I can laugh at that, knowing that that's a very serious burden for some people when they're the first in their families to go to therapy. But Gina and I talk about this all the time. Everyone has baggage. I, I mentioned that on our first episode, one of my very special parents that I have reminds me that everyone has baggage. It's just how you pack it that matters. And she's not wrong. Um, and because we all carry burdens, I, I'm just so curious why we all don't seek a therapist. You know, I'm, I, this conversation is going to continue, but I'm always just kind of baffled that it's not happening more, that people are not participating in strengthening their mental health. Mm -hmm. the way that they participate in strengthening, strengthening their physical health or their financial well-being or, um, I don't know, their careers. We participate in our lives in various different sectors, right? But our mental health is never really a place that we tend to focus on. And if we do, we can be stigmatized yeah. for choosing to participate in that portion of our life, don't you think? Yeah. And that stigma is so harsh. Like it is so scary and it makes people very nervous. We, we talk about how it's really hard for us. We're, we are very biased obviously because we're very pro take care of your mental health, but to pose the question, why, like how come people don't go to a therapist so maybe it's not a therapist like physically going to one, but how come we don't even just acknowledge that I'm not feeling well right now or something's sure. off or I need to, it's not working for me right now. So what do I need to switch right now? 
And a lot of that comes from the stigma of identifying somebody by what's going on with their mental health. I, it is one of my biggest pet peeves when somebody will say, you know, this is so-and-so, she's depressed. She's not depressed. She is symptomatic and maybe has a diagnosis of depression, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. identify her. You know, yes, labeling. Labeling Mm -hmm. is so detrimental. And even in the mental health community with professionals, it's very easy to have a conversation with somebody and that that's how they identify their client or what they're talking about. Like Mm -hmm. this is so-and-so she's bipolar. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, manic depressive. No way. Sure. Yep. I mean, it's like in education when we have students with disabilities um, or students that may be impacted by autism, like a a throwback language of the day would be to classify a student with uh, like impacted by autism as autistic and the language defines the person. Um, so it's the same, it's the same, or even saying a student with special needs. Mm-hmm. I mean, the language that we used to use back in the day is pretty severe, but it, it has evolved in the special education world yet it has not in the mental health world, you know, mm-hmm. we, we be defined by our ailments or maybe do we as a society let them define us? I don't know. I'm having aha moments right now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe as a society, yeah, that, w- that was deep. <laughs> <laughs> maybe as a society, we allow that to happen. I mean, I have a thyroid issue, but I don't walk around calling myself Hashimoto disease. Um, yeah. this, is, this is Ashley. She's Hashimoto's. Like, I don't <laughs> introduce you as my friend like that. My friends do call it hoochie mama disease. <laughs> we never heard of it until I had it. Uh, what a debacle. But yeah. Well, even, okay, so that's stigmatized, right? And have you ever had, I told my story last episode about my cashier at the grocery store. Um, yeah. That was, you know, talking, like, gave me the look about being in mental health. Have you ever had any of those situations? Yeah, like being a a therapist or a counselor or social worker is similar to being like a lawyer or um, working for the IRS. Possibly they may not, some fear you instantly because they think that you're automatically analyzing every move and behavior that they have while others take that as an opportunity to tell you their life story. <laughs> Both are gifts, I think, truly. I think, I think anyone who's willing to tell me their story unsolicited um, obviously needs to get it out. And I, I think that people in this field truly have a gift for listening, those that are really good at their job and don't take advantage of their skill set. I think that they have a gift for listening and applying reflective feedback um, in a really positive way or in a helpful way to the person speaking. And I think that that is a gift that I have and I, I cherish that. So when I get in situations like in the grocery store or the bank or Target, hashtag Target, I love Target, just in case Target's <laughs> listening. Um, <laughs> um, 
I take that as, you know, I'm supposed to listen to it. Like God might be putting me in that path to listen. And that's just my perspective in that. Um, so I, I cherish those moments, but it happens often. <laughs> I'm usually pretty tight lipped about what I do. <laughs> yeah. Cause it does bring yeah, almost, yeah, like a self-conscious. So I have another story. I always have stories, right? But I, I was in, <laughs> I don't know why it's all these public places, of course, but I was in the bank when I first moved to Nashville, getting my private practice stuff all set up and had the sweetest person. I won't even identify what their gender was or what they identified as their gender, but they were the sweetest person. And they asked me about what my practice was. And I let them know that, you know, I'm, I'm a mental health clinician and they had given me a reaction that I had never seen before. She, oh, it's a she, sorry, I just slipped that. But she literally, her whole body language flipped. She told me her whole story, which I'm not going to share on this podcast, um, but it was some very serious relationship, familiar things, familial things. And Mm -hmm. she immediately got very angry with me. And she said, I went to go talk to somebody once and they listed a ton of diagnoses on me. And then she, yeah. And in me looking at her and listening to her, I mean, she was just lashing out at me. She was, she was done with it. She was like, I didn't need to be diagnosed in that situation. I needed to be helped in that situation. And heard. And heard. Yeah. Absolutely. And I thought that was really interesting um, that that is the way that our society has been set up as far as insurance goes. And I'm getting on a soapbox about this, but we require for insurance to be billed somebody to have a diagnosis, unfortunately. is the same. It, It works for physical health as it does for mental health. Yep, sure does. And I have a lot of thoughts about this, and I will not. Oh, girl. I will. <laughs> I will not share oh. much. But I think that's even more reason for all of us, as a society, to support each other, and knowing that a diagnosis does not define us, and it definitely doesn't translate to the type of person we are or what we can bring to a situation, our strengths, our, our, you know, things that, things that we bring to the world. And i just wanted to bring that back to a real life situation that happened, the diagnoses part and why the stigma is almost even gaslighted almost to people. Like it's like a gaslighting situation of making them think that things are happening or, I don't know, that are real about them because this diagnosis is slapped on them. Yeah. So I am not going to go down the rabbit hole about diagnoses, but I am going to put out there that I intentionally did not accept insurance for a long time and did cash pay, right? Like I've I've been able to take my exam to become a fully licensed professional counselor for a long time, like a long time now. 
I've had my, I've had my time in, I got my education in, I have my supervision in, but I had no desire to take insurance. And while it does make you, you know, you should have that license. And I've, I've come around to that in the beginning, it was an excuse for me to not get it because I didn't believe in diagnosing people that quickly. Um, and there could be lots of reasons for that. I could have not believed in my skill set to do so, so quickly. I mean, we're trained to be able to identify trends and themes and understand diagnoses and, and what, what presents itself in order to, to select the certain diagnoses that you select when you give that to somebody, right? Like we're trained to do that. Um, but I, I had a very hard time diagnosing clients that quickly didn't believe in doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't take insurance and it, honestly, the people that would come see me, I would tell them that I would say, this is why I'm, this is why I don't take insurance this is why I need you to pay me cash. Um, because I don't believe in doing this and you would not be surprised by how quickly people are relieved by that. And it's like, I have high, I have a, I have a thyroid issue and high cholesterol. Those two things do not define me. <laughs> they do not define me. And I treat them with medication, right? Um, not saying every mental illness deserves medication. That in and of itself is a whole other episode. But um, treating your depression, there are forms of treatment that are called talk therapy. <laughs> like, like it doesn't have to be medicated. Um, treating your physical ailments can happen by going to a doctor or a physical therapist or a chiropractor um, that don't include medication, right? So it, you have, we need to focus more on treatment, I think, as a society um, and not necessarily drug treatment and not I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent. I'm going to stop now, Gina. Yeah, but like a pro, I hear you, like a proactive thing. And I guess I brought that up about the diagnoses, not to freak anybody out. We're having a real, real conversation. This is what really happens. But also to empower you to know that that is the why behind a diagnosis comes sometimes. And we're going to the right therapist and a good therapist, a competent therapist that you click well with, they are going to explain that to you, the why behind what they're putting in your chart. Absolutely. And if that means, you know, if, if, if something you need to use insurance, for example, if that is your barrier, is the monetary to going to get some extra support for yourself, it's okay to use your insurance and just know, the more you know, this is the why this is happening in mental health therapy. I think that's a part that's skipped in your intake. <laughs> right? Not like not yours specifically, but I think in several clinicians' intake. I think that that may be a, a, a little combo, little <laughs> side combo conversation that may be skipped. And maybe not. I haven't been to every therapist in the world. God knows I haven't tried. Um, but I'm just guessing because there's so many poor experiences out there that I'm wondering if we're more transparent about that piece of the puzzle, if that won't make people feel more inclined to go seek help. Yeah. I think it's important to know the why behind things, you know, the things that are happening. And 
Ashley mm-hmm. and I take this responsibility very seriously to just educate you on what it yeah. looks like to take care of yourself. And this is part of the scary thing that you don't go to therapy for. You know, and I'm last episode, I, I went off on my soapbox tangent about advertisements and how little advertisements we have for um, mental health. I will say that I saw one today on my Hulu, hashtag Hulu. Yeah. Um, and I believe Michael Phelps does it. Mm-hmm. And it's a telehealth version. It's not telehealth. It's something else. But um, it's a telehealth version of therapy. I applauded that. My kids were confused why I was clapping about that. But <laughs> it was, <laughs> I'm like, there's a commercial and not a McDonald's commercial. Hashtag McDonald's. Love your fries. <laughs> We got a lot of hashtags going today, girl. We got a starter. Um, well, and to add on to that too about Michael Phelps, um, I just posted to my Instagram actually this week. Go on, follow at Solid Roots Therapy, all one word, um, spreading some mental health love on there. But there was spray painted on the sidewalk. Demi Lovato and Marshmallow have come out with a song that's um it's okay to not be okay everybody go look it up the words are so good and so you bring up a good point with michael phelps we got celebrities starting to spread the word of mental health and not feeling well i don't know about you ash but robin williams hit me so hard when he passed away and i think we can learn so much from him as a society that he was always happy and funny and you never know until you walk in somebody else's shoes what's really going on and that is just a really big lesson of compassion I think and empathy so Robin Williams presented happy you're right and funny right and I think like that's a therapeutic term that we use a lot. And I have a feeling that we're going to have a lot of budding therapists listening to our podcast and maybe not general public. So for those of you that don't know that, um, presenting is a term that we use a lot and it's, it's a risky term. And I say that because I feel like we walk around presenting what we think society wants us to be. Mm -hmm. Um, it, that's a natural response to life, right? Um, you don't walk around with your baggage out there. Some do, but most don't in like the grocery store or on the street. Um, you walk around presenting a certain way. Um, I saw a meme today on the Facebook, by the way, my time has been down for all you kids counting at home and <laughs> off social media more these days. Um, I watched the social dilemma, whole nother episode, loved it freaked me out a little bit, but it's a good one to watch. Netflix, hashtag Netflix. Um, But I think I saw this meme on Facebook and it was talking about like generalized anxiety disorder. And it was like what I'm presenting on the outside, but what I'm feeling on the inside. Um, And that one kind of hit me hard because I think a lot of us are trying to show this full calm collected front, especially for our children going back to school Um, Our teachers are now in our homes through Zoom um, or Teams or pick your platform, but they're in our homes more than they ever were before. Um, And so we're trying to 
present this put together approach that we're that we're not feeling and then we joke about it on social media like I drink a case of wine today but I got through math <laughs> you know? um, and, and we laugh about it and I think comedy is important I think it's good to laugh about it but that presentation can be tricky and Robin Williams is a great uh, example of that because he he was so convincing which is why his death was so devastating um, Though I'm sure those around him probably saw more than we did, obviously, just being fans. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just use him as the one of the examples. I mean, we've lost a lot of people even this year. Oh yeah. Um, but he was one that like like he's that's a that's a lasting scar, I think, for a lot of people. But even something that you can do for yourself, for people around you make it okay that somebody is not okay. And I don't mean that as a cliche, to say that in a cliche way or a cheesy way. Have the conversation. You know, hey, example, this isn't real right now, but Ashley, you know, I've noticed you've been a little bit down. You haven't been yourself. Is there Mm -hmm. anything I can do? What's going on? Let's talk about this. Make it okay to have those conversations. Well, yeah, and it, that takes bravery to remind um, your friends of that when you're seeing it. Or, I don't know, we, I think that we all need to work on listening skills and active listening skills, and being reflective of our own behavior, um, and, like, cutting each other some slack, you know? Like, the brain isn't developed until, what age, like, 30, G? What, when is your brain I'll take 30, but they say around like 23, 24 is when your brain is like really starting to come to, come to fruition of what it's going to look like. Yep. I'm going to go with 30. I don't okay. have a support <laughs> it, but I'm going to go with 30 because I remember what I was doing at 23 and 24 and I don't think I was ready yet. <laughs> I don't think I was cooked all the way or fully <laughs> developed. My noodles were not completely soft. <laughs> We weren't ready. You know, you know, like when you're cooking noodles and you have like the, they're not like completely. They're al dente or whatever you call it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're Italian. It's oh <laughs> not oh, a stereotype or anything. I know. <laughs> um, we're talking about stigma here, Ash. No, I, I second what Ashley said and having those conversations, normalizing it and start just being reflective of yourself. The first thing that we notice a lot of the time when something is just not right, you're just not feeling well. If your appetite is decreasing or increasing, your sleep is increasing or decreasing, you're noticing different in your motivations, you're avoiding making plans or over making plans. I mean, anything that you're looking at opposite ends of the spectrum that is not your norm which sometimes we don't want to look at ourselves and think about that stuff, that it's different, but you are, you do notice it. And so it's about being reflective of, it, of that in yourself to notice those changes and just kind of say, you know, what, what might be going on? Why, why haven't I looked at this yet? And what do I need to do to make myself feel just a little bit more normalized or a little bit better? What can I do for it? Yeah. 
And you have to, you really have to, if you have a friend that says that to you, if you have a very brave friend that's highlighting these things or a very brave spouse, um, it, it's hard to humble yourself to listen to them. Mm-hmm. But odds are you already know that it's a problem, right? Or that there is a problem there. And if you had diabetes, if you had cancer, if you had cholesterol, um, you would treat that. You would go to the doctor and you would treat that. If you had cancer, you would treat that. Mm-hmm. Your mental health is just as important. Your mental health impacts your physical health. Absolutely. It's just they're all they're all the same. <laughs> yeah. So. so okay, wrapping it up today, we talked about a lot of stuff with mental health and hopefully it sparks some reflection on what we're doing as a society what it looks like about your own beliefs and what you believe about mental health. How come you haven't seen a therapist yet? How come you haven't reached out? What's the big barrier to to helping yourself? Is there a fear of doing the hard work with it? Is there a fear of facing the stigma? The work is tough. The work is tough. I want to validate it for everybody. Yeah, but it's worthwhile. It's worth doing. Not one person, I will say this, and if it weren't for confidentiality, I would have all my clients that I've ever seen. The work was terrifying and it was scary and they would tell you that, but not one of them would look back because I ask this question when they, they leave me. Looking back, do you regret starting this process? And not one of them has ever regretted it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's good doing the work. It's not me. I just guide the journey. Yeah, that's so true. So we just want to encourage you all to think about mental health in a different way with this conversation. Look at your own mental health. Look at the ones around you that you love. And today, this has been Mental Health Uncorked. Be good to yourself, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.